Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Obviously, she recognized Jesus' voice, and she said, Rabboni, it's an endearing word. It implies my teacher. In verse 17, when she recognized his voice, she grabbed Jesus. Now, some of your versions might say that Jesus said, don't touch me. If you're reading that version, that's a wrong translation. Don't touch me. That doesn't make sense. Because in just six days, he's going to tell Thomas, touch me. He's going to tell Thomas, take your hand and put it in, take your hand and put it in my hand. Take your, take your fist and put it in my side and don't be doubting, but believing don't touch me is not a good translation. Jesus said to Mary, don't cling to me. Don't cling means Mary grabbed Jesus and wouldn't let him go. Mary had Jesus in a full Nelson. Jesus is saying Mary or Miriam same, don't hold on to me. Because it's not going to be like it was, Mary. I'm going to the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with all the believers, and I'm going to be living in you. So right now, Mary, don't hang on to me. I'm not going to stay. I must go to the Father. And don't miss this. Jesus says, Mary, go tell my brethren. Notice Jesus called them disciples. And then in John 15, Jesus called them friends. And now here we are, post-resurrection, Jesus calls them brethren. We are his brothers. Post-resurrection, Jesus has a new relationship with all believers. Are you glad about it? Are you glad about it? A new relationship with all believers. Point number two, he appears to the disciples. Look at verse 19. If you're looking at verse 19, say, I'm looking at it. Well, then the same day at evening, same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. And he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Y'all getting this? And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. As the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, what do he say, saints? Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. He appeared to Mary. Give me your attention. He appeared to Mary to show himself faithful. Now he appears to the disciples to send the faithful. So the same day, the first day of the week, the disciples are behind closed doors. 
the Greeks in, te- in, in the Greek language indicates that they were locked and barred in, hiding in fear of the Jews. So they're shivering with fear, probably knees knocking, teeth chattering. And I really like the words in this text, Jesus came. Don't you like that in verse 19, Jesus came? It sounds heroic, doesn't it? Jesus came. Jesus came. I, mean, I was reading some commentaries about this, and this is pretty hilarious. Jesus came. Some commentaries say that Jesus came, that Jesus climbed through the window. I ain't buying that. I'm sorry. Can y'all, I can't even imagine Jesus scaling up the wall and then, you know, <laughs> climbing through the window. That's just ridiculous, okay? I ain't buying that. And then one guy said that he sneaked in before the door was locked and hid himself in the closet, and then he revealed himself. Ta-da! Okay, I'm not buying that. And then one guy said the door the doorkeeper lied and, and, and let him in. Listen, the Bible says he came. How did he come? The Bible doesn't tell us. Don't read into the Bible what the Bible does not say. That's how you get false teaching. That's how you get false, crazy, nutty theology. Okay, the Bible simply says he came. Now, it's okay to have speculation. And here's some speculation for you. It's in my opinion, my opinion, that when Jesus rose from the grave, he rose in a different body. He had a kind of different um, molecular structure uh, to his body. So he was able to walk through impervious walls or doors. So it's my feeling that Jesus just kind of walked through the walls, that he just walked through the doors. It's possible that Jesus walked through the walls and said, peace be with you. Luke 24 tells us they were scared to death and they said, it's a ghost. And to prove he wasn't a ghost, he showed them his scars. Do you understand? Get this. When we get to heaven, are y'all listening? Okay. When we get to heaven, the only man-made thing that we will see in heaven is his nail-scarred hands. And his his nail-scarred or scarred brow. And the pierced side and the nail-scarred feet. Those are the only man-made things we will see in heaven. When Jesus returns, he's going to show the Israel those very scars. Now, where do you get that from, Pastor? Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 tells us, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. When Jesus comes back, he will show Israel the scars. And when we see Jesus in heaven, we will see the scars that he bore on the cross. And maybe, listen, just maybe, that's what the Bible said means when it says he will wipe away every tear and there'll be no more weeping and no more sorrow because our first reaction when we see him and realize what we did we may start weeping and Jesus said he's gonna wipe every tear away from our eyes are you getting me maybe just maybe post-resurrection that's what we're talking about 
Jesus appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, great story. Read it in your own time. Two men are headed to a village called Emmaus. And while they're walking, Jesus started walking with them. But they didn't know it was Jesus. And Jesus said, what y'all talking about? Then one of them said, are you clueless? Haven't you heard what happened? Jesus said, no, no, what happened? And they said, this guy is claiming to be a prophet and the chief priest didn't like it. And so they crucified him and put him to death. And Jesus said, really? Really? And then Jesus said, you haven't been reading your Bibles. Don't you know the Christ is supposed to come and suffer and enter into glory? And Jesus shared from Moses till now the things concerning himself. Well, they still don't know it's Jesus, but they are blown away by the guy who knows so much about the Bible. They arrive in Emmaus and Jesus said, well, I think I'll get off here. And they insisted that he stay because it's night and wolves and robbers and it's dangerous out there. And Jesus in the Bible says, He says, no, 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 I better go. And they convince him to stay. And Jesus comes in and he sat down and he takes the seat of the host. Luke 24, 30, look it up. And he took bread and he broke it and he gave it communion. He took bread, broke it, gave it. And while they were saying grace, all of a sudden their eyes were open and he was gone. He vanished in the thin air and the bread hit the table. And Luke 24, 31, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? You know, listen, some of us need a good case of heartburn. And I ain't talking about Tom's. I ain't talking about meatballs and ravioli. I'm talking about we need a good case of heartburn, the kind that comes from Jesus speaking with you. Note it says their hearts burned while he spoke with them, not while they spoke with him. Y'all need to hear me. I'm trying to help you. Not while they spoke with him. You know, people tell me all the time, they say, well, they have their prayer time in the car. They say, well, you know, I have my prayer time. I get up and then I get in the car. Then I have my turn off the radio and I have my prayer time on the 440. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. Because honestly, on the 440, I'm doing everything but praying. Let the church say amen. Amen. Oh, I'm praying. I'm having my prayer time on the 440. Listen, don't get me wrong. It's good to pray. But can I tell you something? That isn't best. It's one thing to talk to God, but it is vastly different when he talks to you. You don't get heartburn from talking to God. Heartburn comes from him talking to you. That's when you get heartburn. Can I get a witness? That's when you get heartburn. I'm waiting while you clap your hands there. That's when you get heartburn when you read the word of God and your heart starts to burn. I'm not talking about tongues. I'm talking about the word of God that begins to touch your heart. And you go, man, I never saw that before. That's awesome. God's speaking to my heart here. and God's speaking to my heart there. That's heartburn. Look at verse 22. Tells us Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. I think it means he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Things that make you go, hmm, 
That's what I think it means. Some scholars have a lot to say about this verse because, listen, they don't want to admit that the disciples received the Holy Spirit right there. Because if they admit that they received the Holy Spirit right here, they have to admit that something else happened in, on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. You see, if we let the text say what it says, it means right then at once Jesus infused the Holy Spirit. There's one other time this word breathe is used in the Bible, and it's in Genesis chapter 2. Saints, come on, y'all know what it is. God formed man and did what? Breathe into his nostrils the bread of life. Right here, there is a recreation going on. Jesus has been waiting to do this since he started his ministry. Jesus breathes into them. And the Greek reads, he, they received at once. It happened right there, right then, at once the Holy Spirit was given to them. And that makes total sense. Because Acts chapter 1 verse 3 tells us, Jesus spoke for 40 days of things concerning the kingdom of God. It makes sense that Jesus would breathe the spirit into them so that they could understand spiritual things. Because listen to me, look at me, the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. You understand that, right? So if you don't have the spirit of God, you can't understand what's in this book. Yeah, you can understand for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You got that. But the deep things of God... And the spiritual things of God are reserved for the spiritual people of God. For the natural man understands not the things of the spirit. And therefore, they needed to understand the things of the spirit because they were going to be the pillars of the church. They were going to be the apostles of the church, the leaders of the New Testament. And therefore, they needed to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus is beginning 40 days of training before the day of Pentecost. Look at verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Listen, real quick. Very simple. We are believers and we have the authority to retain someone's um, sin in their life. Jesus is saying, I'm sending you out. And if someone refuses Jesus, you have the authority to tell them that they're not forgiven. Did y'all get that? If someone asks for forgiveness, you have the authority to tell them that they are completely, fully forgiven and God will not remember their sin anymore. In other words, you're given authority to boldly proclaim someone is forgiven. Or you have the authority to boldly proclaim someone's sin is retained. It's not your authority. It's authority given to us through Christ. I can say with authority, if you mess things up in your life, if you make all kinds of mistakes, God loves you. No matter what you've done. Anybody happy about that? If you receive Jesus as Savior, your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And if you refuse Jesus, I have the authority to tell you that your sins are retained. Or you are not forgiven. If you accept Christ, you are forgiven. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're being perfected and mature and made perfect by Christ until that day that Jesus comes to take us home. If you refuse Christ, that's the unpardonable sin. Don't you understand that's the only sin that God will not forgive you of? Is the rejection of Jesus Christ. If you 
die and take your last breath on this earth and you have not accepted Christ into your life, that is a sin that God cannot and will not forgive you of. You see, we have our sin scale and we think some sins are worse than the others. We think, you know, pedophiles are worse than alcoholics. Well, sexual sin is worse than gossip. Well, stealing is, you know, uh, not as bad as murder. Don't you understand stealing a Snickers bar is just as bad as, as pedophilia? Sin is sin to God. All sin is unrighteousness to God. Some saints say amen. All, all unrighteousness is, is unrighteousness and lawlessness to God. And all of it needs forgiveness. Well, let's move on to point number three. He appears to Thomas finally. John chapter 20, verse 24. We'll come in here. Notice in verse 24. If you're looking at verse 24, say I'm looking at it. Now Thomas called the twin or Didymus. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he, Thomas, said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again in the upper room and Thomas with them. This time, Jesus came in the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Shalom, peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here. And look at my hands and reach your hand here and put your put it into my side and don't be unbelieving. But what saints believing and Thomas answered and what he say? Y'all read it with me. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are y'all. Are y'all looking at that? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So he comes to show himself faithful to Mary. He comes to send the faithful, the disciples. And now he comes to secure the faithless, Thomas. Now this is the same Thomas from John chapter 14. You remember Jesus said, I go away to prepare in my father's house of many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you. Jesus is sitting around the disciples and he says, I go away to prepare a place for you. And where I go, you know, and the way you know, and how to get there, you know. And, um, and Thomas, you got to love Thomas. I love me sometimes. Thomas is the only one with the, let's just say, Fortitude. Let's say that. Thomas said, Jesus said, well, the way you know, where I go, you know, the way you know how to get there. You know, the other disciples are sitting around. Jesus is giving this dissertation and the other disciples are sitting around. They're going, yes, yes, Jesus, we know. Yes, Jesus, we know. Yes. And Thomas is the only one that said, Jesus, we do not know what you are talking about. 
Jesus, we don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how you're getting there. We don't know what you're talking about. And that's when Jesus said, what did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by, but by me. I love that. This is the same Thomas. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. Tom is called Didymus. That word Didymus means twin. There are all kinds of speculations about the, who the twin brother is. It means that he has a twin. Some say it's Matthew. Hmm, I say it's you. All of us are like Thomas in some way. Now you remember, let's get the story in, in, in context here. The women came back and they said, and they said they spoke with an angel. The apostles didn't believe the women, so they went to see for themselves. Thomas wasn't there when Peter and John came running back. Post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to two on the road to Emmaus. Post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to Peter. Post-resurrection, Jesus appeared to the 12. Now they are again in the upper room and Thomas is there. And they say, Thomas, we've seen the risen Lord. Look at verse 25. Thomas said, unless I see the nail scarred hands and the pierced side, I will not believe. Thomas is saying, I will not live on someone else's experience. Somebody need to say amen. I don't want to live on someone else's faith. I want this for myself. You see, you can't live on somebody else's faith. Did you know that? I don't care if your mother's saved. I don't care if your grandmother's an evangelist. Oh, your grandfather, he's a preacher, and I don't care. You are not saved because your grandfather was saved. You're not saved because your mother was an evangelist. Somebody once said, God doesn't have any grandkids, just sons and daughters. You cannot get into heaven on somebody else's coattails. Well, look at verse 26. It tells us eight days later, the disciples are gathered together and Jesus stood in the midst. Now, saints, Bible students, listen. Get Strong's Concordance out and see how many times the word midst is used. The Bible tells us where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be in the midst. We don't have time to go over it. He's in the midst of the elders. He's in the midst of the cherubim. He's in the midst of the throne. He's in the midst of the seven lampstands. He's in the midst of Calvary Chapel. It's interesting. It seems to be Jesus' place in the midst. So Jesus comes. He stands in the midst and he says to Thomas, Shalom, verse 27. He said to Thomas, reach your finger here and literally stick it into my hand and put your hand in my side and don't be unbelieving, but believe in Jesus. Verse 28, Thomas said, my Lord, Kyrios, that's a Greek word, and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who are, have not seen and yet they believe. That's you and that's me. Don't y'all get it? I'm coming in for a landing. You go get your chicken sandwich. Give me just two minutes. You are more blessed because you have not seen and yet you believe. They believed because they were there. They saw the deficient the loaves multiplied. They saw when Jesus hushed the sea to sleep. They saw the miracles of lepers cleansed and, 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 and people healed and, and demons cast out. They saw and they were blessed. But we are more blessed because we believe and we have not seen. 
Because faith is the substance of things. And the evidence of what? Not seen. We are more blessed because we have not seen. Because we trust God. That's where your blessings come from. Huh? That's where your blessings come from. When you trust the Lord and you haven't seen. Like, I need to see a miracle. I need to see a miracle. I need to see a miracle. There's no blessing in seeing a miracle. There's a blessing in trusting the Lord when you're going through a trial. There's a blessing in trusting God when you're going through something and somebody looks at you and says, I'll wait while you clap your hand. There's a blessing when you're going through something and, and you still got a smile on your face and you still going to church and you still holding on to the Lord and people are looking at you going, what, what's, what, what's up with you? You should be down and moping around and ready to kill yourself. You look at your life and, and you say, you know what? No, I'm trusting the Lord. God's going to set me free. God's going to deliver me. My end is going to be better than my beginning. <laughs> Blessed are you who, who have not seen and yet you believe, verse 30 and 31, we talked about that over and over. Truly did Jesus many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that the believing you might have life through his name. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.